And just like that, it's August 1st. Man, time flies when you're having fun. Thanks so much for coming on back to the Damon Bruce Show here on The Plus to have a little fun with us uh, every Monday through Friday. We're live at 11 West Coast time, and it's good to have you once again. Big day today around sports, certainly around Major League Baseball. The deadline is a matter of hours away, and we'll see if the Giants will do anything else they've gone into this trade deadline needing a right-handed hitter they've acquired two right-handed hitters and they still very much need a right-handed hitter so there's that we got some football to get into a couple of nba stories have actually crept across the page today that we'll get to as well and a few other things that we'll tack on to the end in an entertaining fashion before it's all said and done but look i want to start with the question, and I really want to kind of go about this and deconstruct it a fair way. What do you think is a fair letter grade to give to Farhan Zaidi, the general manager of the San Francisco Giants? Now, truly, the fair grade would be an incomplete. His, his career is not over. We don't know what will happen on his watch because his watch has not ended. Um, the Giants you know, could win the next five World Series and it would certainly change how you felt about the guy as of today, as of this afternoon. But that's an awfully big promise of tomorrow that doesn't feel like it's exactly right around the corner. It's been kind of interesting thinking about this. And I've been thinking about this since I wrapped up yesterday's show and saw the trade deadline move. AJ Pollock and change are coming for a player to be named later and cash considerations. And again, if you're not willing to hurt yourself at all in a trade to take a risk. You're probably not going to get much back and not getting much back is exactly what AJ Pollock represents. But, you know, look, removing the element of fans being desirous of a big name, removing the sex appeal that comes with a real headliner and landing the big fish. What is the fair grade for Farhan? Like, the team did win 107 games on his watch. The team did have the greatest season, regular season, in city history since moving to the city of San Francisco on his watch. How much credit do we give him for that? How much of that grade of that year, which has to come in as an A, if not an A+, right? How much of that should we factor into the overall grade of Farhan To this point, I mean, they did win 107. Yet at the same time, they were never really contending while they were winning 107 games. If we're being honest about it, right? They were a great story. They never really graduated from great story to great threat to the rest of Major League Baseball. Um, When you go back to the origins of Farhan taking the job, it feels like one of his first big signings was was Tommy LaStella, right? Well, that guy has basically not even been around long enough to play for the Giants, even though he's a Giant. Um, But for a doctor saying no way at the last minute, the one mega deal he was going to give out was going to be for Carlos Correa, You know, if Farhan had his way, that mess of a contract in Minnesota would be the Giants' problem. 
if Farhan had his way, now it's hard to criticize Farhan for doing that because I was all aboard, yeah, go ahead, sign Correa too. So it's really tough to hold it against him when I might have gone ahead and done the same thing. But that's one of those, sometimes the decisions you're prevented from making are the best decisions that you'd make because I would rather have the pile of money than Carlos Correa at this point seeing what Carlos Correa has been reduced to since signing that mega deal with the Minnesota Twins. Um, so, you know, is it a bad sign that that's the mega deal that he wanted to give out? Maybe. I'll be the first to admit I might have done it too. When you think about the big moves, like, you know, he, he didn't hang on to Carlos Rodon after signing him, which felt like a big move. And I get why he didn't hang on. And again, the returns that the Yankees have gotten for their investment in him certainly have left an awful lot to be desired. Kevin Gaussman, though, like I, I get I, I get him not sticking around less. It felt like that's a move that the Giants should have made and felt good committing to. You know, the big trade that he brought in, Chris Bryant, like, he left as soon as that honeymoon was over. And man, that honeymoon started off very romantically and then it ended dramatically. And Chris Bryant went from, I love it here to get me the hell out of here really quickly. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give Farhan the credit for Wilmer Flores and JD Davis and Yaz and Lamont Wade Jr., um, he gets credit for all of that. Darren Ruff was actually a decent player for the Giants for a hot minute there, and he gets credit for that. Um, he hasn't exactly prioritized pitching over offense, but the pitching has been pretty good. Since Farhan's walked in the door, the pitching, could be argued, has been pretty good no matter what, though. And maybe the ballpark's got a little bit to do with that. Um, the truth is... The reason why I think Farhan has become so frustrating for fans is because the team has never bottomed out so severely. The argument, fire that guy, really landed with any gravity. And the team hasn't had a level of success in spite of their 107 wins to the point where if you wanted to be the biggest Farhan fanboy, you sounded like you were really well-informed. He's great around the margins of a roster. I mean, I think even his biggest critic would have to give him that much. He can fill out the back half of a roster with sensible, reasonably priced, somewhat productive decisions. He's been able to do that. But he's got zero ability, will, or credibility when it comes to landing the big name either with a trade or free agency outside of Chris Bryant, who was a big name when he was traded for. You know, we're not going to completely rewrite history. It feels like, though, ultimately, if you want to win big, you're going to have to take a big risk along the way. And he is just so risk adverse that, you know, and, and maybe the timing of this rookie class and finally having some prospects that you're not looking at as trade pieces, but you're seeing them through the prism of your own major leaguers, maybe that is delayed them being aggressive for a name here at this deadline, which may or may, have, may or may not have changed things dramatically. I don't even know. But I don't think it's unfair. I really don't to say that one of the criticisms of Farhan is that he's got a little bit too much of that Oakland A's DNA in him 
then he's got that Los Angeles Dodgers DNA in him. And he worked in both front offices. And he worked in both front offices while those front offices were peaking. And he came out with habits, developed more with the A's always thrifty mindset than the Dodgers, you know, devil-may-care spending has certainly shown up in San Francisco. And he's got the green light to spend money, but he just, he hesitates to do so. Like, does he get bonuses based on money saved? I, I don't know. The Giants on Farhan's watch, again, have never bottomed out. And even when they topped out, they didn't even feel like true contenders. It's a little bit of a weird letter grade. Like, what's the appropriate letter grade? B minus, C plus. And the argument that both of those might be a little bit generous is out there. It really is. I, I think when it comes to getting fans excited, he's got an almost failing grade. Like there's not a lot of name value. There's not a lot of star power. And this is a market that demands some, not an extreme amount. It doesn't have to be Barry Bonds, Buster Posey, Hall of Fame level talent, but you got to throw the fans someone that is beloved, that is more than just the carcass of Brandon Crawford. And that's really what they're rolling out with Brandon Crawford. I mean, you knew that that game was over when he was up looking to, you know, try to send it to, Another frame in extra innings. Here comes Brandon Crawford. He's swinging for the fences here. I mean, he felt the eyes roll at the ballpark last night. Farhan's a tough nut to figure out, and it just sounds like that there are a lot of agents and players that get frustrated dealing with him. And even though he's a very smart and cerebral guy when it comes to being a people person, he's a little awkward, and that might be preventing some deals from getting done, might be preventing him from going in and rattling a saber saying, I demand we do this. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. He's He's just good enough. And on the surface, just good enough doesn't feel good enough for the San Francisco Giants. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. It's certainly not good enough for Giants fans. And here comes A.J. Pollock. Here comes A.J. Pollock. 35 years old, the guy's not even hitting his weight. Uh, it's not a move that is going to make a single team, another club, another pitcher nervous. Not around Major League Baseball. A.J. Pollock. Every single pitcher in Major League Baseball looks at A.J. Pollock and thinks, whew, easy out. Thank goodness. There's not a lot left there. Not a lot left there. Maybe he'll be a decent outfielder defensively. He'll save a run or two. He'll probably save more runs than he actually drives in. When you look at his just brutal slash line, A.J. Pollock gets traded for cash considerations and a player to be named later for a slash line of 173, 225, 323, and 138 plate appearances. Again, that is a slash line. You needed a right-handed hitter. You've got A.J. Pollock, and now you're right back to needing a right-handed hitter who's better than A.J. Pollock. Maybe they can tinker. Maybe they can do something with him. I don't know. But again, 
Where is the move that might instill a little fear in another club? It has not happened. It doesn't feel like it's going to happen. You know, I, I was reading today that secretly, quietly, Pete Alonzo has been on the the trade market for the Mets. You might have thought he was a name that wasn't on their block, but apparently he has been. Pete Alonzo, that guy hits a ton in a ballpark that not a lot of people hit a ton in. Maybe consider Pete Alonzo. Justin Verlander, cost prohibitive, maybe, but it would be a move. It would be a move that made other teams go, oh, shit, that's Justin Verlander. You know, two difference makers just sitting there in New York and feels pretty certain that the Giants will go after neither, land neither. Um, You know, there's talk of the Tigers holding on tightly to Eduardo Rodriguez and uh, Michael Lorenzen. Neither of those guys is showing up at the asking prices this much that two highly coveted players are going to go down to last minute of the deadline. If there's other teams bidding, we know that the Giants aren't going to be winning any bidding wars with Farhan presiding as auctioneer, right? We we, we kind of know that. There was talk about, hey, maybe San Diego. Maybe San Diego isn't going to, you know convince itself it's really contending even though they spend all this money on this roster it's not coming together it's just not working uh maybe Blake Snell maybe Josh Hader well the the, the Padres just added Rich Hill and uh J-Man Choi from the Pirates so the Padres who are I still think under 500 they just sweep the first place Texas Rangers though they feel all uppity about their chances still and they've made a couple of moves to add they're not subtracting Feels like the game of musical chairs that really counts is going to be over before the Giants really even started playing it. Or they did start playing musical chairs, but the chair that they pulled out was A.J. Pollock. What they get A.J. Pollock for? A song. It's going to take more than a song and a dance to win in baseball this year. And even though the National League feels wide open, the Giants just aren't making any moves that even come close to suggesting they're here to try to kick down a door and run through it. They're good. They're a good baseball team. I told you they were going to be a good baseball team. And that's where the frustration sets in. They're just good enough to frustrate you, but not good enough to actually please you. They're not bad enough to be just dismissed as, well, they're the Oakland days. I'm not even watching anymore. They're caught in the middle. You know, the Giants aren't black and orange. They're beige. They're just, they're beige. Farhan's primary color is beige. And how can you ever give beige any better than a C plus or a B minus? It's almost a sip of the day. Almost a sip of the day. So we're going to keep our eye here on the trade deadline, on the waiver wire. We're going to see what goes down if the Giants do anything to surprise us, but I feel like everyone would be shocked if they actually did. Uh, When my buddy Ike says he's got new ideas for sandwiches, no one gets shocked about that. Ike is constantly thinking about sandwiches the way that I'm constantly thinking about sports, the way that young men uh, constantly think about sex or video games. I don't know what's really motivating young men anymore these days. Uh, but, uh, Ike, he just thinks about sandwiches, 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 and he's come up with two new ones that are now on the menu available to Ike rewards members. You sign up for that app. You're going to be happy that you did. And 
there are two new sandwiches. One is called Arrow, billing it as the best pastrami sandwich ever, Wagyu pastrami. The other one, Florian. Ike is saying it is nothing short of the single greatest vegetarian sandwich ever conceived by him, therefore by anyone. Bulgogi veggie beef. He told me, I talked to him yesterday. He said, Damon, you will love this sandwich. He said, I'll concede. It would probably be even better with actual bulgogi beef on it. But this is really good. you got to trust me. Uh, trusting Ike is, is a very easy thing to do. The man knows how to push the right buttons for your taste buds. Get yourself to Ike's. Try one of his new sandwiches. They're premium sandwiches. They're delicious. I can't wait to actually try the Arrow. You got me at Wagyu Pastrami, Purple Slaw, Pickle Havarti, and a new American dressing. Not Russian, baby. He's going American. USA. USA. Uncle Boys. Uncle Boys. There's a chant that I feel really good about. Next time you want a burger, get yourself to Uncle Boys in the inner Richmond. Delicious, reasonably priced, out the door, the perfect to-go burger in San Francisco. And when you're there, try the onion rings, try the lumpia, Get yourself the French fries, but that's my draft order. I would actually draft onion rings, lumpia, French fries, and you're going to be very happy if you do that along with your burger order. Try the cowboy. It is delicious. You're going to like it. And if you like smoky, and I'm not just talking burgers, I'm talking about smoky, delicious, smooth whiskey, get yourself some blackened. Pick it up at a BevMo near you. If you're not shopping at a BevMo, ask your liquor store to put some blackened on their shelf. And as a pluser, you will pull it off of their shelf and put it on yours and put it in a cocktail, put it in a glass. You'll be awfully happy that you did. Thank you so much to our sponsors. You are a huge part of the team. And man. Do my loyal listeners take good care of my sponsors? And I thank you all for that because that's how you take care of me. Uh, we got John Lynch in Santa Clara talking about how much he's not worried about Nick Bosa being an uh, absent from training camp so far. Okay, so if you want to have the I'm not worried about it today speech, John, when are you going to worry about it? Like, what is the X marks the spot of you're officially now worrying about Nick Bosa not being in camp? Like, I'm glad that you're not worried about it. And honestly... You shouldn't be worried about it because this is the easiest deal to negotiate in all of football. Like you could say, no, Damon, there's always more nuance than that. There's always a little bit more detail than you maybe are willing to offer here. Uh, so let's get into the nitty gritty of what this deal needs to look like. It's real simple. You get the highest guaranteed salary in NFL history for a non-quarterback, and then you put a cherry on top of that. That's the deal. Nothing short of that deal is going to have Nick Bosa coming into camp feeling good about playing for the 49ers this year. And if I'm his agent, he's not coming in with anything less than the highest paid contract to a non-quarterback in the history of the sport of professional football. That's the job. That's the task. That's the deal. Most guaranteed money to a non-quarterback in the history of football. Cherry on top of that. That's the Bosa deal. And if you don't believe me that that's the Bosa deal, wait until you finally see the Bosa deal, and it's going to look just like that. Biggest contract ever in guaranteed dollars for a non-quarterback. Cherry on top of that, Nick Bosa's deal is done. What are we talking about? This is a contract that literally comes without negotiation. 
There's nothing to negotiate. Biggest guaranteed deal for a non-quarterback ever. That's your starting point. So you know where the starting point is when you know your starting point is literally more money than anyone's ever made. That kind of feels around the ending point too. So just get there. Get it done. Get a guy who is so lifelong committed to the sport of football into your training camp to set an example for every rookie that you're grooming, every veteran who's going to look at him and go, holy shit, I want to be more like Nick Bosa too, even though I'm a long-toothed NFL veteran. That guy is the truth. Get Nick Bosa into camp. You're telling me you're not worried about it. I'm going to agree with you. I'm not worried about it. When is the day we start worrying about this if it's not done? When's the day? What is the day the Niners do start worrying about it if today they're in we-ain't-worried mode? That's a fair question, right? Pads Ron in Santa Clara. Brock Purdy back under center for today's session. You got three quarterbacks behind Brock essentially fighting for two roster spots or... Hear me out. Why not keep all four? Why not keep all four? Someone's going to need that asset at some point in time this year. Why not have why not have that uh, that asset on your roster? If there isn't a big call for Trey Lance to be traded or Sam Darnold or Allen, go ahead and wait. Be patient. Be patient. Look how patient you've been through this entire process. Why be impatient now? Um, the NFL sees trades more common now than just five years ago. So I think that there's plenty of reasons to keep all four. And they're reasons that are bigger than need for your own team or with one injury Boy, all of a sudden, you could could you have used an extra quarterback in that NFC title game last year? Yes or no? The answer is an unequivocal yes. So what's really the need to make sure there are only three quarterbacks? I don't know if there's a huge need for that. I don't. So that's what John Lynch really needs to be thinking about. That's what Kyle Shan needs to be thinking about. How comfortable you, how comfortable are the 49ers holding on to an unnecessary asset for them today that either could become a necessary asset or could be used as an asset to improve your roster somehow, some other way? Little patience. I know everyone wants breathless instant analysis and conclusions drawn that are so concrete, they're easy to see for everyone. That is a fluid situation. It has been since Kyle Shanahan took the job. It remains a fluid situation. That's why you're pulling your freaking hair out. But here we are. Here we are. We're, what, two, two weeks away from the first game at Allegiant Stadium against the Raiders, first preseason game. I keep all three. I tell Brock, you're not playing in Vegas. I I I start uh I, I either start Darnold or Lance and give the second half to Allen. Do your evaluation there. Anyone who wants to tell you that anything that's happening in training camp is really, really critical to the outcome of the regular season is just trying so hard to sell you an illusion of you've got to be paying attention to my creative space right now. I mean, I like a a reasonable 
recap of training camp, not breathless analysis of the minutia of training camp. And I know for a fact that you feel that way too. I see it in your comments. You're being, as a listener, driven nuts by some of these hosts that continue to sell you this grand illusion of big doings. As long as no one got hurt, it was a great great day at training camp. And if you don't believe me, look at what's happening around the NFL after just one day of pads. We are one day into pads, and Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick has already ruptured his Achilles. He's going to miss his second straight season. Uh, Colts running back Zach Moss suffers a broken arm. He's going to miss about six weeks. And let's face it, Moss was serving as the number one running back for the Indianapolis Colts uh, since Jonathan Taylor's got that situation of bad blood brewing between him and ownership and the front office and his handled the whole thing terribly agent. Cowboys running back Ronald Jones suspended two games for violating PED policy. Only two games must have been just a little PED. Just a cute little amount of PED detected. I don't know what it was or how come he's not getting more than that. I don't know, but okay. Raiders wave veteran tight end OJ Howard. I saw that this morning, but... It doesn't take long for guys to start falling like dominoes in this league once the pads go on in training camp, and here it is. So any day the Niners walk off the field feeling healthy and springy, that's a good day down in Santa Clara. I uh, saw the news that the Super Bowl is going to be for kids offered up on Nickelodeon for the first time ever. There's going to be another Super Bowl broadcast. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm good with that. I really am. I would, you know, the old fashioned, uh, crusty Damon might've said, no, you put those kids in front of a normal football game and that's the football that they should fall in love with. And they don't need some gussied up, souped up special effects, kitty version of, uh, of, 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 of a Super Bowl to pay attention to a Super Bowl. Yeah, that was before I had kids. Now that I got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, well, they'll be four and two. Here in the month of August, Jack just a couple days away from his fourth birthday. Uh, uh, Ozzy just 21 days away from his second birthday. We're going to celebrate them in the middle uh, like, like dead presidents. We're going to just kind of combine it into one day, one party. That's all I can do. I can't do two sub-five-year-old birthday parties. Not without jumping off a bridge. So, um, you know, my wife was always trying to say, well, these parties really aren't for the kids. They're for the adults. No, they're not. If you want to party for an adult, you don't have any kids at it. Jesus. Anyway, love those boys. <laughs> uh, but having both boys, I can tell you that the attention span of a child these days could never last an entire Super Bowl. So having an alternate broadcast with some slime and some what, pinwheels, Nickelodeon, still got the Admiral Bird hanging around? I don't know. Uh, it's been a long time since I've watched any Nickelodeon. I can tell you, though, about the endearing power of slime. You know, slime first got featured in the early 80s on You Can't Do That on Television. Anytime you said the phrase, I didn't know you got slimed, and here we are, you know, nearly 40, 45 years later. And slime, it remains undefeated. Like Father Time, undefeated. Slime, as far as childhood entertainment, undefeated. So there you go. A Super Bowl with slime just for the kids. Cheers. Cheers.
Dan Campbell, by the way, had an idea that I don't know how well it would have fit for kids. Doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. We do love Dan Campbell on this show. Everyone should love Dan Campbell. These nuts. These nuts. Dan saw a story that he had an idea for a live lion that the Detroit Lions actually said, yeah, we'll do that. And it had to be shut down by the NFL. Have you seen this? Tyler Greenwalt, Yahoo, writing about Dan Campbell, said, uh, perhaps the craziest idea of Dan's occurred soon after he joined the Lions when he wanted to get a pet lion to live at the team's practice facility. He said on Pardon My Take back in 2001 that he wanted a legit pet lion on a chain, a big-ass chain, who he could walk around with on a practice field. I mean, if live pet lion doesn't bring you right to the realm of maximum football, I, I really don't know what would. Anyways, Campbell apparently said he wasn't kidding. And he asked Lions owner Sheila Ford Hamp to do it. And she okayed the idea, apparently, and the NFL shut it down. Sheila, says Dan Campbell. I quote, Sheila had no problem with it, but the league apparently frowns on those type of things. This is uh, Dan Campbell recently on Pardon My Take. I'm not going to point at Roger Goodell on this. I'm just going to say that the league frowns upon that. Let's just say that. I mean, live animal mascots are not uncommon around the NFL. You got the Ravens. They got a couple of, of mascots. They got a, like a couple birds there, right? Um, you got uh, the Denver Broncos. They got a horse. They got a horse. Seattle Seahawks have a hawk. I've seen eagles flying around eagles games. I guess none of those, though, pose the threat of an actual lion being loose in the facility, though. I, I have noticed that at no point in time have the Chicago Bears insisted, you know what we need around here? A bear. That hasn't happened. So, I'm sorry, Dan. I'm sorry. The Miami Dolphins, they used to have a live dolphin. That wasn't just a straight-up uh, Ace Ventura thing. They used to have a dolphin. Cleveland Browns apparently had a bull that they used to bring in. Okay. Kansas City Chiefs, they got a horse. I'm sure a horse has trampled someone to death at some point in time, but a horse, you know, they're not usually out there looking to eat people. I don't know if we can say the same about a lion. Anyways, Dan Campbell, biting kneecaps, wanting pet lions. There's not a lot about Dan Campbell I don't like. <laughs> uh, look out for the Lions this year. What if they pulled the opening night stunner with a win in Kansas City? That would be a hell of a start to the NFL season, wouldn't it? I told you that we had a couple of uh, NBA stories to get to here, even though it still feels like we are far away from NBA basketball really mattering. Uh, there are things happening. There are things happening, and the first thing is happening is to Mark Jackson, who is out at ESPN. I'm not going to say it. You want to say it, you go ahead and you say it, but I won't. I refuse to say, Mama, there goes that man. That's the same joke that everyone's telling. Look, I, I'm kind of surprised he lasted as long as he did. 
And honestly, that had to have been really awkward for Mark Jackson for many, many years. As soon as he's let go, Steve Kerr comes in and has the ultimate amount of success that the Warriors deemed would not have happened with Mark Jackson. And he had a front row seat for all of that, all of those NBA finals in a row with the Golden State Warriors in it. And there he is just sitting there with Mike Breen and Jeff Van Gundy, who I believe what is also. So Jeff Van Gundy, gone. Mark Jackson, gone. Mike Breen. Mike Breen, pardon me. Ooh, a little. Little agita. Uh, Mike Breen. Look, just pair him with Doris Burke and be done with it. That's the best booth. Just the two of them. Mike Breen, Doris Burke. That should be the new NBA, ESPN, A booth, premier booth. That should be it. That should be it. Look, I'm not rooting for anyone to lose their job. But I'll tell you, this doesn't feel like it was part of the layoffs, though, right? Or they just waited and made him the last layoff casualty in the building. But... Something it feels like happened between ESPN and Mark Jackson after they decided to lay everyone off for him to lose his job. So I don't know what's going on there. In a story that feels like it was created for reality television, I guess it comes out of a new element of reality television. I want to wrap up today with Paul Pierce, who on uh, was, I guess, talking about his termination from ESPN. Remember, Paul Pierce seemed to be a rising contributor on ESPN studio shows until he had that that Instagram post a couple of years back where he's basically smoking blunts, playing poker, surrounded by half-naked women twerking. Remember that? So former NBA star Paul Pierce, according to Sean Kelly on Awful Announcing, recently explained to Lance Armstrong, huh, what happened with his infamous ESPN firing while he's on Mars. And this story will make sense in just a second. So Paul Pierce is currently off colonizing Mars. He's a cast member of the show Stars on Mars, which is a reality TV competition, which is being filmed right now where celebrities live together in a base camp meant to simulate what it would take to live on Mars. And some notable sports names who are involved in this are Richard Sherman, Ronda Rousey, Marshawn Lynch, and Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong is a part of this, too, and apparently when they're not competing in physical and mental challenges meant to emulate uh, their Mars survival, the cast members sit and chat during downtime, and they talked about themselves, and apparently Pierce was sitting down with Lance Armstrong in a recent episode and recounted the details of how he lost his job on ESPN back in 2021, and he was a studio analyst for The Jump and NBA Countdown, and he was playing poker at a friend's birthday party, and he says, quote, there were girls just there dancing as well as a lot of alcohol. And there was video from the party that got out. How did it get out? Well, Paul Pierce put it out himself on Instagram. Again, Paul Pierce is no spring chicken. He's not from generation just got here social media TikTok. He was older than that. But you got all these guys who are millionaires surrounded by just excess and chicks and women and weed and poker and all this fun. And I, I feel like, again, I feel like Stringer Bell 
in the wire where I'm walking around to people saying, what are you taking notes on a criminal conspiracy? Not that there was anything criminal going on, right? There wasn't anything criminal going on. You're allowed to smoke weed. You're allowed to play poker. You're allowed to have hoes, half-naked hoes dancing around you. That is None of that is illegal. But it's an impossible look to sell in 2021, 22, 23. So apparently, Paul Pierce is telling all of this to Lance Armstrong, and Lance Armstrong is hearing about it for the first time, and he's basically saying, so how did all this stuff get on Instagram? And Paul Pierce is like, well, I'm the one who put it out there. And Lance Armstrong is like, dude, you're an idiot. I'm like, how did you not know that this isn't something that you put out on there? It's, it's, dude, let me ask you, have you, while you're at your buddy's bachelor parties, ever thought, let's start documenting this? What could possibly go wrong documenting all this weed strippers and gambling? I mean, come on, fellas. We talked about this yesterday. Keep your own counsel. Learn how to keep a secret. D discretion being the better part of valor. I mean, what, what, are we, what are we doing here? Like, I can't help you adults if you adults just want to act like kids. Good Lord. So there you go. We're going to slip into Club Plus, which actually comes into real life focus this Saturday at Victory Hall. I want to invite all of you to go to that Eventbrite sign up. I've been told we got about 50 people who have signed up. So that means we got a good little gathering. We got a good gathering of a whole bunch of like-minded, plus-positive individuals showing up at Victory Hall this Saturday to watch a little baseball. We got A's and Giants Bay Bridge Series over in Oakland. Don't give John Fisher another penny. Come and hang out with me, with Jillian, Mrs. Plus. The Duchess is going to be there. Drink specials, blackened whiskey to be sampled and enjoyed. We're going to have an awful lot of fun together coming up on Saturday, and you're more than welcome to be there, and we're not charging you anything to come on in and hang out. So sign up, if you would, please, on the Eventbrite sheet. And all you got to do is Google Damon Bruce plus Eventbrite, and it all pops up. It's all very easy to find. I'll continue to post it on my social media accounts. Easy for you to find. But hopefully we see you on Saturday for our first ever Plus Mania 1, as dubbed by our own listeners in the chat room. We're going with Plus Mania, not Plusapalooza, not, 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 not uh, uh, Plusageddon, not, not, uh, not Plusstock. Plus Mania, it is. Plus Mania 1. We'll hopefully, we'll see you there. In the meantime, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're just listening on the podcast, which continues to grow, expand, blow up, thanks to all of you for joining me once again. We're going to continue with a little Club Plus here on YouTube. But for you podcast listeners, I say thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, whew, he's gone.